This is the Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcast. Hey, Bob, it is a great honor to have you on the Leadership Podcast. I, I couldn't think of anybody that'd be more excited about sharing with our audience. And uh, I, I want to talk to you today about your perspective on leadership and also celebrate and look at leadership through the lens of your new book that just came out, Everybody Always. And I got to get this subtitle right, Becoming Love in a World Full of Setbacks and Difficult People. Yeah. Do you ever come across difficult people Every anywhere? Every once in a while. Anywhere? <laughs> You're looking at one. Um, but first of all, thank you for yeah. letting me be part of this. It's just good to be with friends and uh, talking about things that... Uh, hopefully matter for some of the people that are listening in. I think, I, I know it will. Uh, let's talk about leadership and difficult people. Um, more than anybody I know, I think you combine pragmatism and optimism um, in the way you uh, lead and the way you think in life. I'm just curious, how do you, uh, as a leader, what advice would you have for people in an organization if they're dealing with someone that might be critical, lazy, um, uh, not following through the responsibilities. What advice do you have as from a leadership perspective in dealing with difficult people? Yeah, I uh, spend a lot of time overseas. And uh, in one of the countries in Africa we spend time in, uh, there's a saying, they say, you never give a microphone to them. You right. never let go of it. And so what I'll do is when I'm talking to somebody, I hang onto the microphone. And there's some people sometimes in our organizations that want to grab the microphone mm -hmm. and I keep a hold of it. Mm -hmm. I just like this whole idea people can express their ideas and thoughts, but I really am not looking uh, for a critique mm -hmm. on everything. Mm -hmm. I think I want people that will come up with creative ideas. They're thinking about the solutions of these things. And I've never met a courageous cynic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've never mm -hmm. met somebody that's kind of has that little barb of cynicism. Mm -hmm. So I, I will actually talk to them about that. I'll mm -hmm. say like, that actually isn't as helpful as you think. What you're trying to do is express an idea that's really helpful. That's your intent, but it's coming across as kind of cynical. And so what if we dial that back to about zero? Mm -hmm. So if you've got somebody that is uh, maybe pushing back against you, maybe, maybe you're trying to coach them to become better and then they push back at you and say, Bob, you're crazy, doesn't make any sense. Um, what, would you, what would you say to that leader to help give them you know, the courage to maybe push through an awkward or difficult conversation? Well, the first thing that came to mind is let me help you pack your things. <laughs> <laughs> We'll miss you. Uh -huh. um, but the second thing is to assume uh, that people's motives are uh, just beautiful and come up with the least creepiest explanation. Because mm -hmm. sometimes somebody will say something kind of wonky and they, they don't know why they said that wonky thing, but it's just kind of out there. And you don't need to give a bunch of airtime to that. Mm -hmm. You can actually assume that they're just as insecure as you, just mm -hmm. expressing it in a different way. Because we've like actually uh, controlled our insecurity a little bit. Right. And they're actually trying to rope theirs in still. And so we don't want to make a habit out of that mm -hmm. to say, well, let's do that once, but we just got that out of the way. Mm -hmm. So now let's uh, focus on this kind of uh, the better version of you. Let, let's talk about that, the insecurity piece. In, in your book, you write a little bit about the fake self. And as a leader, out of when we're leading out of our insecurity, uh, it's really hard for anybody to win. Talk to me a little bit about uh, how you 
deal with that, the, the, the idea of the fake self and become even more authentic in your leadership? Yeah, and I'm not, I'm no psychologist, but um, I'm a pretty good lawyer. <laughs> and one of the things that I've uh, switched up over the last couple decades is I don't try to be Jesus's lawyer mm -hmm. and I don't try to win arguments for people. And I'm, as a lawyer, I'm right for a living, <laughs> but I don't, just don't want to switch into lawyer mode with people. I just want to be a little bit more <clears throat> compassionate, but not distracted. Uh, by what's going on. And so we'll have a, a brief and pointed discussion mm -hmm. about this. Say, let's just not do that. Uh, let's uh, go in a different direction with some of those thoughts. One of the things is I'm not trying to build consensus. I'm trying to build a kingdom. Mm -hmm. And I think for some of our leaders where faith is an important thing to you, that idea of uh, saying, what's this beautiful idea that you have that you're pointing at at the horizon and continue to point towards that. So you do a great job with that. You're, you are one of the most inspirational people I've ever been around. And so through telling of stories or even casting vision where people will get behind something in a part of the world you see is important. Talk to me about how do you, how do you specifically do that? How do you, what goes through your mind when you're trying to inspire others? Uh, teach me, how, how can we become better at inspiring others like you do? Yeah, tell people why you're doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. If you let your people that are working with you know what you want, then you don't have to tell them what to do. I'll give you an example. 10 people wanted it applied to do this assistant role for me. And <clears throat> I interviewed all 10. And I mentioned in every single conversation with all 10 of them that I was looking for a two pound eggplant I couldn't find it anywhere. And then we just moved on to whatever other topic. One person out of the 10 showed up uh, from Trader Joe's the next day, had a bag and inside of it was an eggplant. We weighed it weighed two pounds. I hired them on the spot. Amazing. So if you tell people what you want, then you don't have to tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. And so I don't kind of micromanage people, but I point towards the horizon and to say, like, these are the things that we're about. Uh, and then I'm not trying to get them on my page. I'm trying to get them on their page. And if our pages don't line up, uh, then we'll just have them make different books. <laughs> just go somewhere else with your page, but not in a bad way. Just to like, let me be your biggest fan. But we spend all this time wrapped around the axle trying to reach agreement on things. I think there's a leadership principle about just pointing towards the horizon and saying, this is where this organization is going. And we'd love to have you be a part of that. What about yourself, Bob? Like, I, I wish that everybody listening could actually spend 20 minutes with you because they would, they would sense your warmth. Everybody does. Uh, and you seem to, you seem to always live inspired and that's hard for people to do. What do you do that keeps your passion level high as a leader? Yeah, probably I keep my distraction level low because people that are distracted don't lead well. Mm -hmm. And if you're distracted by your iPhone and the news reports and all that. So I was telling a friend on the way over here how I only know what I'm doing today, tomorrow, and the next day. Isn't that beautiful? Because if you have you gone to a dinner party and somebody's looking past you at someone else, that's a person that's like missing being present. And it's easy for us to get in proximity to each other. The more important thing is to be present with each other. So the people that help me just do today, tomorrow, and the next day. I know I'm here right now. And that's, I haven't looked at tomorrow or the next day. So you really don't know what's on your calendar for next week. You could week. hook all the electrodes up to me. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. And that's on purpose because I don't want to be 
looking past you at the next person because people can figure that out like that. So that gives me, it makes me nervous even thinking about it because I'm, I'm not just thinking about next week, but the week after that. And at the same time, people could probably say, I am looking past them at times. I am distracted. So that's a revolutionary thought to me not to look ahead. And I'd like to push you for, do you have other ideas like that? If to not be distracted, that's one thing. Would there be something else maybe I haven't thought about? Well, <clears throat> if you um, know who you're becoming and let that person inform who you are. So I'm 59, right? So I spend a lot of time talking to Bob, who's 69. Mm -hmm. And Bob, 69 years old, hopefully will have a bunch of grandchildren that are nine years, three months old. I'm just hoping. That's my big ambition, be a grandpa. And so what I do in deciding what I'm going to do now is I run that by Bob plus 10, so for the people that are listening, add 10 years to your age, spend a little bit more time talking to that gal, that guy, mm -hmm. and say, who does he want to be? And then to say, when I'm a grandpa, I'm not going to be with anybody, so I'm going to be with everybody right now. That's amazing. So you're very passionate about Uganda, the people, uh, and you're making a big difference there. First of all, I'd like to know what exactly are you doing there? And then I'd also love to know 10 years from now, when 10 years from now Bob is there, what's it going to look like then? What kind of difference are you making? Oh, <clears throat> 10 years from now, you and I are exchanging grandkid pictures because I've seen your right. I've got you. Yes. <laughs> um, you live in my dream. Uh, so in Uganda right now, we have a school with about 1,000 kids in it, and uh, we just want to make presidents. What are we doing? We're looking at the horizon and saying we want Ugandan presidents. And so what do we do right now? We just get the best teachers. And what do you do from there? You say, incentivize those teachers. Say, you make me a bunch of presidents, I'll rock your life. We're not cutting a deal. Just that whole idea that I'll rock your life. Mm. Don't worry about it. And there's so, if we do that for the people that work for us, I ran a law firm for, I don't know, quarter of a century. We had an agreement. We would do this thing for one year at a time. And the law firm had a bunch of names on it. There's only one guy who owned it. <laughs> You can put all the names you want in there. But the whole idea is we just said, this is what you get each year. And at the end of the year, I'll give you whatever I want. And if you think it's a bad deal or I was a tightwad, just quit. Like there's no law firm to quit. It doesn't exist. So one of the things, I'm a gift giver. I love doing that. That's my love language. And so instead of cutting deals with people, point towards the horizon to say, It'll work out great for you. This is where I'm headed. This is the two-pound eggplant. And to say, let's go in that direction, if you want. But I don't want to coax people. I don't want to cajole people into it. I don't want to try to advocate people into it. I want to say, this is where I'm going, and I'd love to have you along for the trip, but it's like Uber. If you don't want to go there, just take a different cab. <laughs> so, uh, so I love hearing your stories. And, and what, what's one of your favorite stories that happened the last year through your work in Uganda that would inspire me to even want to know more? Oh, I'll tell you, in uh, Uganda, this idea of working with difficult people. So we, um, uh, we started trying death penalty cases against witch doctors. And for a pretty upbeat guy, that comes as kind of a like, like wow, <laughs> like we have gears. I think you have gears too. So this whole justice thing, like God loves kids. Uh, but he loves justice too. And there's no love without justice, but there's no justice without love. And so we started a witch doctor school after this. And we, I would send out word on the Bush radio that the consul general for Uganda is in town. And I command every witch doctor to come. And Craig, they come. And they're creepy, creepy dudes. They make little dolls that look like me and stick stuff in it. It's nuts. But one of the things I want to do is uh, teach them how to read and write. 
write. We don't need to teach them how to be witch doctors. They already know. We teach them how to read and write, and the only books they have are the Bible and Love Does. Wow. <laughs> You're reading their textbook. But I, I asked these witch doctors this idea of how do you lead in a way uh, that, that doesn't make you dead at the end of the day? And if you sacrifice children, uh, that will not end well for you. And so I've actually gotten to know their names. And there's something beautiful about knowing people's names. Think of Jesus. I mean, Mary runs to the tomb. She thinks Jesus is the gardener. And he just gives the shortest sermon ever. He just says her name, hmm. Mary. And I just what, I, what uh, rings true in my mind is if you don't know somebody's name, don't correct them. Mm -hmm. So there's something beautiful about knowing people's names before you give them some words of correction. Talk to me more about that. Your, your book, Love Does, was a runaway bestseller, New York Times bestseller. Your brand new book, Everybody Always, is showing the same kind of uh, interest. People are so passionate about it. Uh, you talk a lot about impacting people's lives by, by not just by talking about love, but by living love. From a leadership perspective, how does that play in? Do, can you be firm and loving? Is oh, yeah, all day long. You can actually say we're not going to do that with a smile. And you just get so much further with honey than vinegar. And it's not being fake. It's just saying, like, well, actually, it's a terrific idea that we're just not going to do. We're going to go in this direction. But you can just thank people. You can be actually genuine and honest. But you have clarity about why you're doing what you're doing. So if you know every day... Feet hit the floor. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Because if you're doing it for applause, join the circus. Uh, if you're doing it because you want to point people in a direction that will save their lives, then, then I would say join Jesus <laughs> in that. So if, if you've got someone who's a, a brand new leader and says, I, I want to just demonstrate that I care for people, but I don't want to be too soft because kind of like you said, you got to get the job done or you don't get to work here. What practical advice would you have for a leader to show love, but yet to do it in a way that you still, you're not buddy-buddy, you're the boss, but you are showing that you care for people? A couple of things spring to mind. This whole idea of taking notes on everything, being super engaged, like uber engaged. I bet I send myself 60 emails a day. Like literally, I sent 10 on the way over here. Just things I was thinking about. You could send an email about why bananas are yellow, but I think I would ask another like more difficult question. Like, so why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I just channeling this like kind of, I, I want to be, get the approval of my father or I want to get the acknowledgement from somebody else or I'm looking for validation. I would ask some of those questions of yourself quietly. And then when you have a moment to reflect on that, to reflect on these things and to say, why am I doing what I'm doing? So this idea of an engaged life and then calendar everything. For a guy who doesn't keep a calendar, you know what I do? I don't calendar birthdays and uh, like all these holidays. What I do is I calendar one year from the worst day of each of my friends' lives. Hmm. Like literally, there's a friend who just messed up really big and really publicly. And it was about four years ago. I call him every year on the anniversary of that mess up. I don't even know if he knows that it's the end because I don't tell him like this is the anniversary date. But I just tell him, look how far you've come. And we just like talk. It's like the highlight reel. Look at all the things I've seen emerge in your life. That kind of living intentionally and you know why you're doing what you're doing. I just want to counter. And it, it reminds me to have some hope when I have a bad day because I've had a couple. Yeah, that's interesting because most of us think about what would be normal, but you're actually saying let's express love creatively in a time where maybe someone was hurting 
And that's, they're not going to expect that too, which is going to be really, really big. Uh, speaking of, be, of big, one of the things I love about you, anytime I'm around you, I walk away inspired to think bigger. A lot of us are trying to think about how we can change our weight or some habits. You're thinking about changing countries and nations. Talk to me about thinking big. How do you inspire people to think just not about today, not about just our own little worlds, but think much bigger and broader? Well, one of these things is to just assume you don't need permission for all these things. Like we just did a uh, food drop in Somalia. There's a, uh, a group of people that are isolated by Al-Qaeda's arm there called Al-Shabaab, 10,000 of them in the Western desert. And they'd cut off, they drew a 14 mile circle around them and there's like, you'll all die. We're just cutting off all the food. So we took the Love Does money. We <laughs> chartered a plane from the World Food Program. We filled out of Italy, we filled it full of food in Nairobi and we flew right over their heads and land on the sand. <laughs> <laughs> What could possibly go wrong? Right. But like that whole idea of just assume you have permission. We didn't ask anybody for permission. Hungry people, feed them. Like, and here's the deal. God isn't dazzled when we go across an ocean. He's wowed when we go across the street, mm -hmm. when you go across the office, when you go across like to somebody you've avoided, if you're in college, go across the campus to the wonky teacher and do it with gratitude. That idea, find one thing hmm. that you can see in them, some spark of maybe some God's imprint in their life. And so it, this isn't this kind of squishy, like just think happy thought stuff. I'm a trial lawyer, but I'm trying to change who I used to be into more of who I'm becoming. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times in leadership, we end up spending time being who we used to be and over-identifying with our failures. And, and to say, who are we becoming? I want to talk to Bob Plus 10 know who that guy is, and now we got a game. So good, so good. I wanna ask you about one of the lines from your book. Um, you say this, we don't need to call, um, we don't need to call everything we do ministry. You say, just call it Tuesday. Oh, heck yeah. T tell me about that. Oh man, I am just, uh, I, I think it's because comes from insecurity, but I found myself doing these things and then making a big deal about it. And like, I just don't think that that's the way Jesus talked about it. He just said, just go do these things. Cause I said that would just add beautiful things to people's lives if you did those. So I, I think I told you before, I had this like webpage that said saving a generation of Ugandans. <laughs> I had a couple hundred kids in a school out of 41 million. That ain't a generation. <laughs> and so I was thinking, what makes me like overstate what I'm doing? Or it says serving the poorest of the poor. Like I'm stepping over poor people. <laughs> Get out of here, you poser. Like I want the poorest of the poor. As if like loving just merely poor people wouldn't be enough. And I had to ask myself, where does that come from? And it comes from being insecure. Hmm. And so what I've tried to do is dial that back to say, why am I doing what I'm doing? just constantly. And I don't get in this eddy of introspection. I just to say, I want to get clarity about this. My dad told me when I was growing up that what rattlesnakes do is they get on the other side of these logs. And so when you step on top of the log, you got to step way out because the rattlesnake will bite you on the heel. Otherwise, I'm 59 years old. I've never seen a rattlesnake. Every single log that I get on top, I step three feet out because I think a, a snake's going to bite me. My dad was trying to express love, but what he did by mistake is instill fear. Mm. <laughs> and so as leaders, sometimes we're expressing, trying to express love towards people by giving them words of correction. What we're actually doing is instilling fear. And then you ask why they act in peculiar ways, because you've scared them to death. 
They think there's a snake under every rock because you unload it on them because you're just insecure. So there's these beautiful words like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't, that was old Bob. I keep trying to put him on the bus. He keeps showing up on my doorstep. And so to say, that was actually, I'm not making an excuse. I'm giving you a return address. And the man I want to be is a guy that would encourage you about what you just did that rocked. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you why. That's so good. That's so good. Um, your book, Everybody Always. If there's one big takeaway that you hope that your readers uh, will have, what would you say it is? Oh, it would be to love people who creep you out. <laughs> Because you're one of them. Like you're actually, the people that I've been spending my whole life avoiding were the ones that Jesus actually spent his whole life engaging. And so where I've just been polite and distant with people, I think what is changing in me, new Bob, is to say, draw a little bit closer to them, to say, what can I learn? And there's some wrong-minded people. There's some people that are actually toxic and dangerous. and You'll know who they are, but it isn't everybody who disagrees with you. Mm -hmm. uh, there'll be some people that you actually have a different viewpoint, like uh, engage them with love. And when love has an agenda, it ain't love anymore. So your agenda isn't to change them into this person or change them, just like love them and just be curious about them. Like, wow, that's a really different uh, viewpoint. I, it doesn't happen very often, but I'm on Twitter and I'll like read scripture in the morning and I'll send one tweet. I'll never give a Bible verse. Like if you want a Bible verse, read the Bible. It's full of them. What I'll do is I'll just say things that are true because Paul said, check everything against scripture. So I'll say then every once in a while, I'll get a second year seminary student <laughs> that'll write back and say something just a little wonky. And I don't think bad things. I'll go into their feed and I'll make them my teacher. And I'll just say, like, what's one word, uh, worldview that they have that I could actually learn from? I'm not trying to justify what a swell guy I am and how they got it wrong. No, I literally make them my teacher. And then as soon as I've done it, I block them. <laughs> it's like a going away party. It's terrific. So that would be a way to engage people without creeping anybody out. You don't have to engage in all these arguments. We got such a little time here on earth. I'm not going to spend it arguing with people. Well, I, I want to tell you thank you for who you are, for the way you inspire me and so many others. Congratulate you on, on your, your new book, Everybody Always. I, I will continue to promote it and, uh, oh, and honor you for all you do. Thanks for your time, your investment um, in our audience, and I uh, appreciate and honor you in every way. Oh, thanks a million. Thanks, sir. Thank you for joining us at the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. If you want to go even deeper into this episode and get the leadership guide or show notes, you can go to life.church slash leadership podcast. You can also sign up to have that information delivered straight to your inbox every month. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes and share with your friends on social media. Once again, thank you for joining us at the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. <laughs>